In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. From Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. Plenteous grace with thee is found. Grace to cleanse from every sin. Let the, seal, let the healing streams abound. Make and keep me pure within. It's good to be here today on Ash Wednesday. And I'm grateful to Andrew and to the cathedral for putting this on every year for the Episcopal Church and for all of the city of Birmingham. It is a remarkable ministry for which I'm grateful. It is the tradition, in, as long as I can remember, to have the diocesan bishop speak on Ash Wednesday. Um, and then have a long roster of really impressive people to come follow. Um, I, I look at the roster and see my name and face in my picture and think, boy, there are some people there I would really like to listen to. Other people <laughs> other than myself who are stars in the church. All these stars and then me to start with. So, I'm glad that you're here for this one. I hope you come back for a lot more as we go. Today is the first day of Lent, Ash Wednesday. Several people who are paying attention have already said to me, Happy Ash Wednesday. Well, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> but I guess we couldn't just walk around and say, I hope you have a miserable day today. Have a miserable Lent. Today begins a season that we need every year of self-examination, of seeing ourselves a little more um, honestly than we would like sometimes, to recognize that we are sinful, selfish, lazy, cowardly people, so that we can present ourselves to God and accept the forgiveness our Lord died to bring us. This forgiveness business is something we talk about a lot, and, and I wonder sometimes how familiar we are with it. I hope you all have a story to tell about when you were truly forgiven for something. I hope even more rarely that you have a story to tell about when you forgave someone. It's hard to do. 
we all have a story to tell about how we are forgiven. But we don't tell it very much. We're a little squishy on the details. We assume and say that we are forgiven, but you know, just between you and me, I think most of us don't really feel forgiven a lot of the time. Years ago, before I came to St. Thomas in Huntsville, I was chaplain at Ole Miss. Yes, I graduated from Mississippi State, and yes, I was working at Ole Miss. There was a kind of a conflict there, but we all worked it out. While I was there, the rector of the parish went on sabbatical. Actually, two weeks after I got there, the rector of the church went on sabbatical and went to England and basically said, okay, now you're in charge. The secretary of the church called me and said, we have a phone call from this woman, tell me your name. Um, she needs a priest to call her. And she said, with a little snooty inflection, I suppose that means you. <laughs> I suppose so. I called her, she was in tears. She asked me if I could come over to her house. I said, who is there? She said, just me. Alarm bells went off. No, don't go to a woman's house all by yourself. This was way before we started talking about sexual misconduct and all that. It just didn't make good sense to me. I said, could we meet at a coffee shop? She said, no. She'd been crying all day. Could I just come over for a little bit? And I relented and went to her house. Rang the doorbell, she opened the door, she invited me in. I noticed on the little pathway, the entrance hall, on this side of the hall, there were a pile of the parts of baseball caps that go on your head. And then on this side of the same pathway, there were just the bills that you, you know, the thing that is over your head, over your eyes. And I thought, oh good, she makes baseball caps. We went into her den, we sat down. She told me that she'd just gotten back from the doctor. I said, I hope you're okay. She said, I have genital herpes. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. She said that she had married her high school sweetheart. She had never had an affair. And that the only way she could have contracted genital herpes was if he had had an affair. He travels almost every week. I said, I'm, I'm very sorry. And then I realized that she wanted me to do something about it. I, you know, I can't do anything about genital herpes. I said, what do you want? She said, I want to be really good and mad. I said, I don't blame you. And after you stop being mad, what do you want to do then? She said, I don't know. I said, do you want to divorce him? She said, I love him. Good. Do you want to stay married to him? And she said she did. And that, I thought, was the most important part of the whole conversation. We talked about trust, and we talked about messing up, and we talked about forgiveness, and after a while, he stumbled in, ashamed of himself, as I thought was appropriate. She was good and mad, just like she wanted to be. And he was apologetic 
and contrite and felt stupid. And he told us both the story of how he traveled with his company. And he'd gone to almost every major league baseball city by now and gotten a cap from the ball game. It was his prize collection now in pieces in the entry hall. Part of being good at man. And he'd gone out to dinner after the game and there was a waitress who was very friendly and he had a little bit too much to drink and things got out of hand and he was so sorry. And I said, what do you want? He said, I want to be forgiven. I said to her, what do you want? She said, I want to forgive him. Now, how are we going to do that? How are we going to make that happen? Forgiveness is difficult. Even if you're completely contrite, I told him that it's a mistake to think that the burden is on him. All he could do was be contrite and apologetic, but he could not make her trust him ever again. And as unfair as it is, that would be her decision to make that she would need to forgive. I told them that it was like one of those suspension bridges that goes across a stream or a canyon or something and has those boards that he had kicked out several of those boards and that he could not replace them. Only she could. She said, that's not fair. I said, I agree. But you will have to give up being good and mad. And you'll have to give a little more to replace the boards that he kicked out. We talked about it for a while. She cried. He cried. I cried. They started coming to church. I'd never met them before then. And after church one day, he took me aside and said, what else can I do? I said, you've apologized? He said, over and over until she told me to stop. And I said, and you, you mean it? He said, with all my heart. I said, so what does she say? She says that she forgives me. So what do you want? I want to feel forgiven. I want to know it. I told him he wouldn't need to give her some time and knew that he would need some time too. It's hard to forgive, hard to be forgiven. We do earnestly repent 
and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous unto us. The burden of them is intolerable. Have you been there? With a grievous memory? An intolerable burden? The difference between these two people and you and me and our Lord is that our Lord is eager to forgive. Died so that we would know we are forgiven. Part of the purpose of Lent, I'm convinced, is to bring ourselves where we can see ourselves clearly and say, we're very sorry. I'm very sorry that I've been selfish and cowardly and lazy and mean. And another part, I think, is for us to do something that helps us know and feel God's forgiveness, which is without limit. It's also ours. Ours to claim, ours to accept, ours to open. Sometimes I wonder if we believe what we say we believe because we say we are forgiven. We say that Jesus came and died for our sins. Sometimes it seems like we hold on to them as if they are precious to us. As if our sins and misdoings define we are instead of the grace of God. Dear people of God, <clears throat> the first Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection, and it became the custom of the church to prepare for them by a season of penitence and fasting. The season of Lent provided a time in which converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when those who, because of notorious sins, had been separated from the body of the faithful, were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to the fellowship of the church. Thereby, the whole congregation was put in mind of the message of pardon and absolution set forth in the gospel of our Savior and of the need which all Christians continually have to renew their repentance and faith. Therefore, I invite you in the name of the church to the observance of a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance by prayer, fasting, and self-denial and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. And to make a right beginning of repentance and as a mark of our mortal nature, let us now come before the Lord, our maker and redeemer. In the Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday liturgy in, in this part of God's church, People are invited to come and receive ashes. 
and the sign of the cross on your forehead, remember that you are dust. And to dust you shall return. Remember that you are dust, animated by the grace and love of our Lord. Remember that you are dust and you go back to where you came from, created in love and compassion. And on your way back to grace and mercy. All of us have something to confess. All of us have been mean-spirited, small-minded. I certainly have. All of us have done things we wish we had not done or not done things we wish we had. Said things we should not have said or not said things we should have. It is part of being that person. Part of being a Christian is that we can offer ourselves to God and turn away from our own selfishness, turn toward his mercy and love and compassion. So today we start the season of Lent. Some of us will focus on giving up soft drinks or Brussels sprouts or something. Others will take on something, probably something we should have already been doing anyway. But all of that, about looking at ourselves honestly, seeing what we need to repent from, what we need to let go of, is just play in church. For us to truly be the children of God, for us to truly be the beloved of our Lord, truly be forgiven, we need to look at ourselves hard and offer our brokenness to God who waits to make us whole. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.